Welcome to the Central Christian Church Message Podcast. We are passionate about leading people to discover and fully own faith in Jesus. It is our desire that the following message inspires you to take your next steps in your own faith. Let's dive in. I want to begin by just saying welcome. Welcome to all of you who are in this room with me. Welcome to those of you on any of our campuses, wherever you are, and to those of you who are on our online community. I want to give a shout out to Michelle, who is in Iowa. Welcome to you, Michelle, and to all the rest of you who are anywhere in the world that are watching this. It is great to be together. Before I get to the message today, though, it's... uh, I just feel I, I need to acknowledge it's, uh, it's Christmas week. It's hard to believe it's here, but it's Christmas week. And, and here's what I want to say to you. You don't want to miss the services this week. Now, I'm going to make a statement I normally don't make. I want to say to those of you who are online, I really, if you can get here in person, I want to encourage you to get here in person because the, the service will be so much better when the community of God's people gather together in, in, in a building. So I really want to encourage you to come and be a part of it. There's a couple things, so I want you to come, but I don't want you to come alone. I want to encourage you to invite somebody with you. It's one of the reasons we do so many services, because people are so much more open to coming to church if they're invited at Christmas. So we want you to come. The second thing I want to tell you about coming is you want to come to the service early. Here's why. Uh, we're going to sing Christmas carols at the service, but we're not going to begin singing Christmas carols. There's actually a number that is going to be performed that opens up the service, and it's one of those numbers that you just want to be seated, get centered, get ready, you know, to encounter God, and you don't want to be walking in and trying to find a seat, all right? And you're going to miss too much. So I encourage you, get here, get here early, and uh, we're, we're going to have a great time, okay? Now, one other thing I want to tell you, and you need to listen to me because I don't want you, I don't want you to be frustrated next week. Next Sunday... We're going to have a service, but we're doing it only online. So the regular times that you would come to church next weekend, I want to encourage you uh, hop online, and we're going we're gonna to do church that way together that weekend. So this week, I want you in person, and then next weekend, we'll all be online uh, because online uh, you know, is, is obviously very valid. So with all of that said, uh, we're, uh, we're ready to go. Now, I, I want to I do something a little different today than I normally do. I want to start with a word of the day. I don't do this, all right? But I'm going to start with the word of the day. And the word for today is going to be the word surreal. Surreal. Now, I don't know if you understand the word surreal. It might be something you're part of your vocabulary or not be something you use regularly. Let me give you the actual definition from a dictionary of the word surreal. Uh, It's this, all right? Having the disorienting, hallucinatory quality of a dream, unreal, fantastic. In other words, um, a surreal experience is one of those things that actually just blows your mind. You're like, I cannot believe this is happening. I just cannot believe it's happening. And my guess is you've had experiences like that where, uh, you know, something's going on and you just, like, you can't, you just can't get your brain around it. it. It's just too far out there. So the question of the day, to go with the word of the day, is simply this question right here. What is something that happened in your life that you have had a hard time believing actually happened? You were there. You know it happened. But you look at it, you go, I just can't believe it. Just, I just can't believe that happened. And, and you know you're having one of those experiences when you're thinking, no one's going to believe this. Or, or when you try to explain it to somebody, someone's going to go, you're just making that up as you go. Because that couldn't have happened. When's the last time this happened? Now, I've had a number of those in my life, as I'm sure you have, and I've had time to think about it, which you haven't. Let me tell you a true story, okay, uh, that happened to Lisa and I. Uh, it, it's not current. It's not recent. It happened about 15 years ago. 
But it was an absolute surreal experience, all right? Now, uh, I want to explain something. We, uh, a, a true story. We have friends that have a house on Nantucket Island, and as they have a number of times, they invited us to come and visit. So one of the times we were out there visiting with them, something happened. Now, I want to just preface this by saying this is 100% about them, not about Lisa and I. At least I had nothing to do with it other than we had some friends. Uh, so when we get to, on this time, we get to Nantucket, um, <clears throat> something happened. Now, I'm going to... I'm going to tell you what happened, but I'm also going to date myself when I tell you what happened. If you're young, uh, hang on, because I'm going to contextualize this where you'll understand what I'm saying in your world, but you might not understand what I'm saying as of 15 years ago. So just bear with me, all right? So our, our friends say to Lisa and I, hey, there's somebody we want you to meet. And uh, well, who's that? His name's Mike Kittredge, Michael Kittredge. And I go, cool, who's Michael Kittredge? And he said, uh, well, Michael Kittredge... Uh, is a business guy. In fact, let me just tell you the backstory. Michael Kittredge in 1969 wanted to uh, give his mom a, a Christmas present. He, he didn't have any money. And so he decided to make something for his mom. And what he did was he melted down some candles and took out the wicks and created his own candle, put it in a, in a milk carton and gave his mom a candle that he created. And uh, it was his gift to her. And uh, they put that candle out, and other people saw the candle and said, that's awesome. How do I get one of those? And a business was formed, all right? And so Michael Kittredge ended up founding in his garage what you today would have heard of as the Yankee Candle Company. He was the, he was the originator of the Yankee Candle Company. And so um, as the years went by, this thing grew and grew. And then uh, just before I met him, not long before I met him, he had sold the business for a lot of money and he was out of it. Um, but what he did was he decided to buy um, a boat with the proceeds, uh, some of the proceeds from the Yankee Candle Company when he sold it. What to say about a boat like, as understating, he actually, he bought a ship, all right? And to call it a ship is really not fair either because it was actually a yacht I'm going to show you a picture of the yacht. This is his yacht. It's called the paraffin. Get it? Paraffin? Wax? Get it? And so he built this yacht, had it built, and, and uh, 197 feet long, five decks. Uh, incredible. Pictures, they show you pictures of the inside of this thing. It's just unbelievable. All right, now, why I'm showing you this is because our friends knew Mike, and they said, we want you to go meet him, so we meet him on his yacht. Now, I just need you to understand, this doesn't happen to me. Okay, so if you're on yachts all the time, I'm not. So we're, are we good? We clear? And so we end up on Michael Kittredge's yacht. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Well, he shows us all around the yacht, and then there's some people who show up, and it's Frank and Kathy Lee Gifford. Now, if you don't know who these people are, Frank was an NFL player, and then he was a sportscaster, and then Kathy Lee uh, with Regis, you know, they had this morning show, and it was like, this is unbelievable. And so we're just visiting, chit-chatting with Frank and Kathy. And then another lady shows up, Barbara Bradford Taylor, who is an author who uh, you might not, she sold, she, like, she, uh, one of her books, and let me give you the name of it. Um, it's, it's one of her books, A Woman of Substance. Her very first book is, is one of the 10 best all-time selling books. It's called The Superseller. And she has, I mean, she's got 34 books, 90 million in sales. And she's visiting with her on this boat. And it was like crazy. And then, it, so some of them left. And then Mike said to our friends and us, 
let's just go and let's go sit up top and just enjoy uh, kind of a, like a light dinner. It wasn't a formal dinner, it was a light dinner. And so we're sitting up on the top of this yacht in Nantucket Bay and we're looking down on all the other yachts. And I'm on the top of a yacht going, <laughs> look at that. They call that a yacht. They call that a yacht. You gotta be kidding. Oh, look at the Kennedy's yacht. It was that, nice try. Nice try, Kennedy's. Nice try. I kid you not, the Kennedy's yacht was there and it was, we're looking down. And I'm like going, I cannot believe this day we're having. This is incredible. So uh, we get done, the sun sets, we get back in the car, and the four of us, uh, Lisa and I and our friends, are driving back, and they, uh, the, the lady, our friend, the lady, I'm just choosing not to use names, she says, hey, um, I was talking to Kathy Gifford, who they were friends, and she said, Let's, they're having a dinner party, let's go crash their dinner party. I'm like, What? And going, yeah, they have a house here on Nantucket. Let's go by and crash their dinner party. And I'm going, you're kidding. Like, I don't do this. All right, you might, I don't. We don't do this. So we decide to go crash on Nantucket Island at the house of Kathy Lee and Frank Gifford, their dinner party. We walk in and there's like 15 or 20 of them around a table. It's a full-on dinner. It's formal. And we walk in and, oh, hi, so glad you dropped by. Hey, we'll be done. You want to eat with us? No, no, we already ate. We ate on the yacht looking down. And... uh, (laughs) And uh, uh, we'll wait in the living room, and we'll be, when we're done, we'll all gather, and we'll have some. So we go in the living room, there's some other people there. They crash the dinner party, too, I guess. I don't know. And I start talking to this one lady, and I go, hi, you know, her name is Dee. And I go, Dee, what, what do you do? And she goes, well, I'm a personal assistant. I go, personal assistant, that's awesome. Personal, for, to what or to whom? And she says, and this might not mean anything to you, she said, well, I'm the personal assistant of Phyllis George. And I go, Phyllis George? See, if you don't know this, Phyllis George was Miss America in 1971. I knew a Phyllis George, and she was then a sportscaster. She was in a sportscaster for uh, uh, NFL, and she was just famous. And I go, you are Phyllis George's personal? She goes, yeah. And then she says to me, you want to meet her? And I go, what? She goes, yeah, she's having dinner in there. You want to meet her? And then she grabs my arm, and she goes, come on. And I'm like, I'm going to go meet Phyllis George, which I'm like, and then I grab Lisa, and she grabs her friend, and then she grabs her husband. So there's a little train of us going in back into the dining hall. And so as soon as we get in there, she starts, she goes straight to Phyllis and says, I want you to introduce somebody. And then Kathy Lee jumps up, because I had met Kathy Lee on the yacht, and Kathy Lee knew that I was a pastor in Arizona. And she says, oh, this is Cal. I want you to meet Cal. Phyllis, this is Cal. He's a pastor at a church in Arizona. And she's like, really? And so we visited for just a minute, and we walked in the living room, and when we were done, and I went, this is incredible. This is unbelievable. I cannot believe this day. And then Phyllis George comes back into the living room and sits down right next to me, looks me in the eye and says, are you seriously a pastor? And I go, I really am. She goes, can you help me? And I said, with what? She goes, my mom's got Alzheimer's and I need to know about heaven. And I sat there in the, in the living room of Frank and Kathy Lee Gifford's Nantucket house counseling Phyllis George about heaven. I just need you to understand when I woke up the next morning, I'm going, that did not actually happen because it was surreal. Now, if you're younger and those names don't mean anything to you, I just want you to imagine that Jimmy Fallon invites you onto his boat, his ship, his yacht, and there you made J.K. Rowling. And, and Kim Kardashian shows up. And LeBron James stops by. And in one four-hour period, you met all of them and chit-chatted with them. 
And then you go to sleep and wake up the next morning. You try to tell somebody what happened to you. You had a surreal experience if that happened to you. You're not going to believe this. Why am I telling you all this? The story we're going to look at today blows those stories out of the water. We're going to look at a surreal, true story. That thing I told you about Nantucket didn't make a thing up. I, did, I left out so many details I didn't tell you, but I didn't make anything up. It was surreal, but it pales in comparison to what we're going to discover. All right? So here's the deal. I need you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Again, we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus, and there's the account in, in Matthew and the account in Luke, and you put those two together, you get the narrative. We're in a, a series that we're continuing. It's called Crescendo. And again, we'll continue this on Wednesday night and Thursday night and Friday night, depending on the campus you're on. Uh, but uh, we'll, this week, we're just going to, it's just the story's building. But um, we're, we're going to just, we're going to move it forward today. Now, let's just recap while you're looking up Luke 1. Let's just make sure we got it. Okay, so at the end of Malachi, there's 400 years of silence between Malachi and the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew. There's 400 years where God doesn't speak, but, but in Malachi, God said, uh, there's going to be an appearance of Elijah. He's going to come. And then the, uh, an angel, this is last week, so 400 years, no prophecies, no prophets, nothing. And then uh, an angel of the Lord, Gabriel, appeared to a, a priest in, in Jerusalem, uh, and uh, he said, hey, uh, you're going to be a dad and your wife Elizabeth she could be a mom and and you got to understand this is an old guy and she's an old lady and they're barren and they've tried all of their life to have kids and this Gabriel guy goes no no you're going to have a child he's going to be incredibly special and uh he's going to turn the hearts which is exactly what Malachi said was going to happen and they don't know it but they're about to have a baby called they're going to call him John he's going to be he's going to be known to us as John the Baptist and, and, and it's remarkable. But, but in our story today, as, as hard to believe as that story is, this one's even better. Be, because, in fact, let me, show you what, uh, let me show you what Scripture says here. In, in uh, Luke 1, 15, where we were last week about John, John will be called great in the sight of the Lord. He is going to be special. But you know what it's going to say about the child that we're going to talk about, which is going to be Jesus? Jesus will be called the Son of God. All right, so let's jump in. Luke chapter one, we're picking the story up where we left off, verse 26. And I'll just take this in little chunks. So Luke 1, 26 to 28, it says this. We'll read it and then we'll break it down. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Okay, whoa, 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 stop, stop, time out. Okay, six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So John the Baptist is going to be six months older than Jesus, all right? And, and so we, we got a context of where to put this in time. Same, same angel, Gabriel, that visited Zechariah is now coming to Mary. Now, what we also picked up here was that it's not in Jerusalem, it's in Nazareth. Nazareth is way up north, about 70 miles up north in another region called Galilee. Nazareth is a little backwater village. It, 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 so you can get a picture on this map. You can get an idea of it. It's, it's, it's tucked up into the mountains. It's a village. It's, not a, it's a village. 
And then it's open on one side. On the south, there's the plain of Jezreel. Uh, it's just a little hamlet up the hill here a bit, just a village, okay? Nothing like Jerusalem. And, and then I've got to make sure we see this, okay? Um, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Okay, now we've got to stop here and break this thing down, or it's not going to make any sense. Because we immediately, in our context, we, oh, they were engaged. They, they were engaged to each other. They fell in love, and they became engaged, and they were planning to get married. That's not at all what's happening here. So if you want to understand this, listen, I'll do my best to make this make sense, okay? In that culture, uh, it's very, very different. Now, get ready for, okay, the typical age that somebody would be betrothed, and that's the word, a pledged, would be 13. 12 would be early, 15 would be way late. 13, a young Junior high, very young high school student, that's Mary, all right? Get your brain around that. And by the way, what's love got to do with it? Nothing, nothing. And let me explain it. Uh, a betrothal was a contract between parents. So I have a son who's, uh, you know, uh, weddable, if that's a word, uh, marriageable, I don't know if that's a word, and you've got a daughter. Let's talk. And the agreement would be made out. The son might go, hey, did you check out Mary? Dad, go talk to Mary's parents. We don't know that. He might have had nothing to do with it. It was not his choice. It was his dad's choice, his parents. And so uh, Joseph's dad goes have a, has a conversation with Mary's dad. And they, uh, they come to a, 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 it's a contract. Now, here's how it works. There had to be a, a bride price paid by Joseph's dad to Mary's dad. Why? Because he's gaining a child, they're losing a child. So they had to negotiate the price. Uh, and there would be a gift given to uh, secure this bride. And so they, they enter into this. Now, what's really hard to get your brain around is in that culture, when you were pledged, you were betrothed, it was as if you were married. It was as if you were man and wife. If this thing breaks apart, you don't just break the engagement, you divorce each other and yet there's absolutely no contact in the period of pledging. You don't have any you know, relationship. You might not even know the other person. You maybe have never talked to them, never held their hand, never kissed them, not, nothing. And, and by the way, should the guy die? So if this thing blows apart and we don't, it doesn't work out for whatever reason, you literally have to file for a divorce. We, we were never together. That means you were pledged. You were in the betrothed. You got a divorce. And then it's got to be dissolved. And, and if, by the way, the guy dies in the period of time, she's considered a widow for the rest of her life, which gives this really freaky phrase in Hebrew, the widow who is a virgin. What? It makes no sense, but that's kind of how that worked. And so, you know, that's what we're going to go on. And, and what, what was the year for? Why, why a year? Well, there's two purposes behind the year. Number one, the groom would go and build onto his father's house room for his bride. And then he would come and get her at the end of a year and bring her to the, so he would expand the house. Listen to Jesus' words in John. I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I will come back and I'll take you home. That's what he, when he left, that's what he said. It's his principle. One year was going to be set aside for him to build on. And the second reason for the year was to just give time. Was there any unfaithfulness here? Any unfaithfulness? And if there was found to be unfaithfulness, 
literally could be punished by death. The person would be stoned to death. The, the couple would be stoned to death. And I don't have time to show you that out of Deuteronomy, but it's in there. Okay, so just go with me on that. And by the way, after the, after the, the year went by, get this, Kate. Okay? Dads, moms, get this. The wedding itself would take a week. You'd have company over for a week eating all your food. And then at the end of the week, the, there was a, a ceremony that would go through placing on hands, and the priest would say, and then, they, you know, husband and wife, and then hopefully everybody leaves. And you consummate the relationship. That's the deal. All right, that's the culture. Uh, I just need you to note very, very carefully a detail that Matthew is going to tell you and that Luke's telling you. She was a virgin. If, if, if you don't get that, you're not going to understand the story. She was a virgin. Now, that's going to be highly debated in her day because people are going to accuse her of all kinds of things, and it's highly debated in our day. But Scripture doesn't debate it. She was a virgin. Now, we'll come back to that in just a moment. So let's jump down uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 29 down to 33. So, hey, you who are highly favored, uh, man, greetings from God, all right? And then it says this in 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, Mary's response is the exact same as Zechariah's response, which is trembling in fear, which is fair because if an angel just popped in on you and said, hey, greetings from God, and somebody you've never seen before, and maybe looking angelic, whatever that means, you'd go, it's kind of a weird day. It's surreal. But this angel appears and has this message. He says, calm down, calm down. And then he says five things to Mary about What's going to happen? She's going to have a son and five things you need to catch. Okay, here they are. One, he will be great as compared to other people. You can just catch this in this. Um, he, he will be called the son of the most high, which means he's going to be called the son of God. He, he's going to be given his, the throne of his father, David. Now, what, what do you mean his father? See, David was a king a thousand years ago. The absolute high point of all the is, uh, Israel's history was when David was king and there was a prophecy that that throne would continue on. And now we're being told, she's being told, your child will sit on David's throne. Your child will be David's successor. In Psalm 89, as a prophecy, it says, he will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock, my savior. I will also appoint him my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. This is about Jesus. I will maintain my love to him forever and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. Uh, this could be your son, Mary. And, and Mary had to be going, what? Like what? Uh, oh, by the way, he's gonna reign over the house of Jacob. That's the nation of Israel. And uh, his kingdom's never gonna end. Let's just pick that one. You're going to have a son whose kingdom, who's going to become king, his kingdom is never going to end. Chew on that. All right. All right. Now, um, the next verses, uh, look down at 35. The angel answered. Uh, she's like going, okay, well, well verse 34. She's like, well, hang on here. How's this supposed to happen? 
And she says the obvious, uh, whoa, slow down. I, I'm not even married, and I, I, I've never been with a man. I've got like, there's like, what? Like, how's this supposed to happen? And then verse 35, the angel answered, okay, well, okay, here, just listen, Mary, all right? The Holy Spirit's gonna come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, and even Elizabeth, your relative, is gonna have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I love that last, the way that, that's verse 37 in the uh, NIV, it echoes uh, Isaiah 55, that God's word will never return void or empty. It will always accomplish what God said it's gonna do. Whatever God says, you can count on, and that's what that's saying. Mary, I know you don't understand this, I know it makes no sense, I know this feels like a dream, but you're gonna conceive, and all of this is gonna happen, and God's, and I also love the way the NS, the New American Standard Bible renders verse 37, is worded differently, but I like it, is for nothing will be impossible with God. Because that's the crux of the issue here. Mary, something incredible is about to happen, and you're not gonna believe this, and it's gonna be unbelievable, but believe it, because God said it's gonna happen. Now, Mary's like going, like, what? Now, she's stuttering here, or stammering. She's not, not like Zechariah, not like, I don't believe, there's no way. She's just going, I don't get it. I just don't understand. And you've got to realize she's a young girl. Frederick Beatner is an author who, uh, who I, I, I like to read him. But anyway, he has character sketches on the different players in the, in the narrative here. And I love what he says about Gabriel and Mary's exchange that we just read. Let me read the words of Frederick Beatner. She struck him. She, Mary, struck him, Gabriel, as hardly old enough to have a child at all, let alone this child. But, but he had been in, entrusted with a message to give her, and, and he gave it. He, he told her what the child was to be named, who he was to be, and, and something about the mystery that was to come upon her. That's what we just read. You mustn't be afraid, Mary, he said. And as he said it, he only hoped she wouldn't notice that beneath the great golden wings he himself was trembling with fear to think that the whole future of creation hung on the answer of a girl. Now, he's not putting her down, of a mere girl, of a young girl, of a girl this young. That all of creation, your story, and I'm looking at you, your story is gonna hinge on what she says to what Gabriel said to her was gonna happen. Yes or no? Mary, are you gonna enter into this or are you gonna reject him? You, it gets very personal. Are you gonna reject God or are you gonna receive God? That's the question, all right? Now, as I've already said, let me go back. Both Matthew and Luke emphasize is a virgin birth, which means this, okay? Now, let's just call it out. This is where it gets hard to believe. What do you mean she's a virgin? That doesn't happen, right. Nor does a fish swallow a prophet and keep him alive for three days unless something supernatural happens, unless God intercedes and does something that is above the natural laws that we live with. The only way this is gonna happen, it's a miracle. Outside of a miracle, there's no way this is gonna, if you don't believe in miracles, you're gonna have no room for this story. 
If you do believe in miracles, you just go, yeah, this is God. This is what he does. Whatever he wants, however he wants to get something done, he just gets it done. You don't have to explain it. Doesn't, and you're kind of left with a dilemma. But Peter Larson says something, again, I think so profound. Peter Larson said this, despite our efforts to keep God out, to keep him out, God intrudes. The life of Jesus is bracketed by two impossibilities, a virgin's womb and an empty tomb. Jesus entered our world through a door marked no entrance, and he left through a door marked no exit. You see, if you can't take the miracle of the virgin birth, you certainly won't understand the miracle of the resurrection. And if you don't understand the miracle of the resurrection, then all that God has for you, you, you will never appropriate by faith. You'll never go, I believe it, and I receive it. Uh, so really, it's all going to, you know, can you, can you not? You either believe this or you don't. And by the way, do you know that six, they just pulled people. 66% of us cynical Americans say we believe this story. 66%. Go, yeah. So if you do, you're not alone. And if you don't, just need you to know where you fall. All right? And one other thing I need to say about this before we move on. She did not remain a perpetual virgin as the early church fathers, kind of some of them taught. She was forever a virgin. No, no, she wasn't. All right? And I know that because scripture. Matthew one twenty five. but he had no union. Joseph had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. No union until... And by the way, later on in Jesus' life, in Matthew 13, it says, and they're questioning who he was, who Jesus was. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get this stuff? Get these things. Yeah, how's he so capable? How can he do all this? We know his family. Because Joseph and Mary had other kids. You just need to understand that. So, all right, Mary, what are you going to do? As if that was the only complexity to the story. It's not. There's a guy. There's a guy named Joseph who somewhere is going to have a conversation with Mary, and Mary's going to go, okay, Joseph, have a seat. Okay, I know this is going to sound crazy. Well, first off, I'm pregnant. Second off, it was God. Okay, remember, surreal? I know, I just, I know it's hard to get your brain around this, Joe. I know it's hard. It's really hard. But I'm telling you, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly, and he appeared and he said, and then, and then I was, and I don't know what to tell you. And uh, I think you learn a lot about Joseph in his response. I think he genuinely loved Mary, even though, again, they maybe never held hands. I, I don't know. I think that when... She told him this, however he got that news. I think he was just devastated. I think he was just devastated. And I, I could spend a lot of time telling you why I believe that. I just think he just was imagining a fantastic life with this woman. Thanks, Dad, for arranging this. This is awesome. And then all of a sudden, have you ever received, and yes, you have, news that hits you in the gut? You get a call from a doctor or your employer or your friend, or your significant other, and they tell you something, and you just go, no way, just no way. Well, that's what happened to Joseph. And he's like, well, look at verse 19. 
in Matthew 1, I don't know if I said this. I'm not sure. I jumped over to now what Matthew adds. I did say this. So Luke's telling us really what happened to, jo- to Mary. Matthew's kind of given us from Joseph. So I jumped over to the narrative in Matthew 1. Remember those two tell the story? Matthew 1.19 says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now let me tell you the alternative. He could literally bring Mary to the city gates and charge her with this woman was unfaithful and this year has proved it. I thought she was pure. Her dad thought she was pure. We all thought she was pure. She's not pure. I have never been with her and here she finds herself pregnant. I don't know who the guy is, but I know I'm not that guy. And uh, the consequence in the book of Deuteronomy, which I just don't have time, stone her to death. Stone him and her and the guy, but we don't know who the guy is that got her pregnant, but Joseph went, wasn't me. Whoever that guy is, wouldn't we find him, but she is pregnant, and I didn't do it. So stone her to death. He can do that, or, or he can just, you know, not disgrace her publicly, just divorce her quietly and just go, I'm out. I don't know what you did, Mary. I'm out. I don't want anything to do with this. He could have got revenge. He could have preserved whatever he wants. Um, he said, I'm just going to divorce her quietly. And then the rest of that story is Matthew 120. Look, look at this. Matthew 120. But after he had considered this, I'm just going to quietly divorce her. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus, which is Joshua. Uh, God saves, all right? Um, Give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is two weeks ago. We talked about Isaiah. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, I want to finish this time with you by just saying, okay, there's something about Mary. We got to talk about this. I stopped at verse 37. Let me go back to Luke 1, 38. And this is what Mary said. Now listen carefully. So the angel Gabriel proposes to her, this is how this will work. How is it going to work? The Spirit's going to overshadow. God's going to do all this. And you're going to get pregnant. Luke 1, 38 says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. The angel then left her. See, she, she can say yes, and she can say no. She can say, all right, or no way. I'm in or I'm out, whatever. She, she prayed the rarest prayer ever prayed. Now listen carefully, this is so important. The rarest prayer ever prayed is the one that says, God, whatever you want, whatever is best for you, God, whatever you need of me, whatever, your will be done. May it be done at any cost to me, whatever. It's the rarest prayer ever prayed. Um, I need to make sure you understand what Mary stands to lose with that answer is her husband, Joseph, who's going to go, not a chance. Her family's respect and love and embrace. Mary, what have you done? What have you done? 
and society at large. Uh, hey, there goes Mary. <laughs> you know, have you heard the story? She says the Holy Spirit from God did that to her. Can you believe that? All kinds of rumors are flying. And by the way, they were flying. But she heard from God. She heard from God. Because God spoke to her through an angel. Mary, this is what I want you to do. Now, can I just tie a bow in something we've been talking about the last two weeks? We've been talking about the frustration that we sometimes feel when, God, why don't you talk? God, I pray and you don't answer. God, why don't you do this? And we get so frustrated at God at times. God, why don't you listen to me? And I, I, don't, I don't fault you for your frustration at all, none. I get it. But how many times does God get frustrated at me and maybe at you? Because Cal, you get frustrated at me because I don't speak. I get frustrated with you because when I speak, you don't listen. How many times have I failed to listen when God has spoken? Oh, he made it clear. I knew what he, took. I knew what he said. I know exactly what he said. I just didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't want it because I didn't hear Jesus addressed, I wonder if four things Jesus said in one, one chapter of the Bible. Let me read these so quick. Matthew 13, 9. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew 13, 15. They might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them. They would just listen to me. Matthew 13, 16. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. Matthew 14, 34. Whoever has ears, let him hear. We all have ears, folks. That doesn't mean we hear anything. God goes, I speak, you don't listen. You get mad at me because I don't speak. I speak and you don't listen. Wow. What's causing you not to hear God? Where's the noise coming from that's keeping you from hearing? And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just people that have hurt you. It's just shut down. You're so frustrated with something somebody did, you cannot any longer now hear from God. You should let that go. Pain you've had to endure? Just, God, I just think I shouldn't have to, but you make me, and I just, loss you've, had, you've suffered, some th- distractions that have gotten the best of you, pride that's blinding you to what God's trying to show you, or fear that's binding you from what God's trying to tell you. I don't know, I don't know. This is what I do know in Luke six forty six. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? Why do you do that? Well, that's a great question. So I'm going to end right now with two things I think we should do with Mary. Two things about this story that you got to walk out of here, walk out of there, walk out of wherever you are. That you got to walk away with. Number one, what should we do with Mary? We should esteem her. God chose her. She is highly favored of God. She is a virtuous woman who God honored in an incredible way. We should hold Mary in high honor. We should not worship her, though. She's not God. She's a human being God used in a great way. We should esteem her highly. And two, we should emulate her. What does that mean? That, that means that she listened and she responded favorably towards God. We should emulate that. You see, what's so amazing to me about Mary is that it wasn't like she was disqualified because of her age. She was disqualified because she didn't have a title. She was disqualified because she wasn't a, you know, a, a, 
uh, you know, certified, you know, licensed, whatever, had no theological training. No, what we should emulate is just a willingness to go, God, I, I don't know, I, surreal, this whole moment with this angel, surreal, no one's going to believe this, but I will do whatever you said, and we should do that. We'll pick this up uh, in our next gathering on our Christmas Eve services. You, you won't believe what happens next. <laughs> Let me pray. We'll finish. So God, thanks for our time together. And uh, Lord, we do pray for this week. Then we pray that we are people who will listen. And one of the things that you've told us to do is tell everyone. Tell everyone. And God, I pray this week that we'll just be busy, just inviting people. Just going, hey, just come with me, man. Just hang out. I know the service is going to uh, do exactly what you designed it to do. And it's going to communicate of your love and your truth. And God, I pray that people will get a chance to experience that. So this week we give to you, this moment we give to you, this life we give to you. God, use us. May it be as you have said. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our hope is that you are left inspired and challenged to continue to grow in your faith. If you are looking for more from Central, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time. Until then, go be the church.